Well, what's up, Everlast? You doing good tonight? Doing good. Well, my name is Tina. Uh, hey, I am uh, the young uh, adults coordinator here, and I'm also married to Kevin, who is uh, our young adult pastor. And tonight, uh, we are continuing in our series, Created to Worship. And throughout this series, we have been diving into what the Word says on how God created us to worship Him in different ways that we are to do that. And so just to give you a quick recap, the first week we unpacked what worship looks like through Thanksgiving. The second week we unpacked what worship looks like through obedience. And last week, Kevin unpacked that we worship Jesus through our serving. And so let me just encourage you, uh, if you've missed any of the teachings, you can head to our podcast and listen to those. Uh, We really believe and pray that those would be beneficial for you. Um, And so tonight, as we continue in this series, uh, we are going to be diving into God's Word as we look at another way we are created to worship Him, and that is through godly character. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to 1 Samuel chapter 16. Uh, We're going to be in several passages of Scripture tonight, but this is the one that we're going to start off with. Uh, If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. If you need a Bible, we have some uh, Bibles in the back that some of our volunteers uh, can get to you as well. And so uh, let's pray and then dive on in. Well, Father, we, uh, God, we just thank you for tonight. Uh, Lord, we ask that your will would be done in and through this place, God. Lord, we pray um, that you would draw near. God, I pray for each person in the room tonight that you would specifically speak to them. Whether that's a word or a verse, God, I just pray that Uh, you would speak to their hearts, Lord, that we would leave this room, we say this often, not just with information, but transformation, God. We do not want to be unchanged. So, Father, uh, we ask that you would have your way, and we ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I don't know about you, but when I was in elementary school, during recess, we played games like kickball, Red Rover, do y'all remember that game? We like hold each other's hands and then like you'd say, Red Rover, Red Rover, let Susie come over and she'd run through and break through the arms, right? Red Rover, great game. We also played games like wall ball. Anyone play wall ball? It was a good one, right? Uh, and then we played your, your, your basic classic games like capture the flag or even just basic football. And what I love about all those games is what they have in common is that there are teams. And when I played back in the good old elementary days, you would nominate two people as captains, and then everyone else would line up on the wall or the fence, and those captains would choose and take turns on who they wanted to be on their team. The good old schoolyard pick. And it's a terrifying experience, right? Because your goal was to be picked first, but you definitely did not want to be picked last, right? It was embarrassing to be picked last. And it's embarrassing because no one likes to be picked last. And usually the reason you are picked in the order that you get chosen for a team is solely based off of outward appearance. The picks of captains are chosen based off height, strength, speed, 
uh, how fast someone was based off of muscles or how cute so-and-so was. Because you know in grade school, you picked the guy or girl that you had a crush on, right? Y'all know. Listen, and I was never the girl that picked my bestie. I picked Ben Wilmoth. I know, what a name. I picked Ben because Ben had blonde hair, blue eyes, and just a little baby fat around uh, his cheeks. Like, Ben was cute, okay? And so I would pick Ben. And listen, that's how teams were chosen. The, the whole point of your captain is they would pick individuals for their teams majority of the time, if not always, based off outward appearance, a physical stature. Now, the reason I share this is because in 1 Samuel chapter 16, we somewhat see this play out through Samuel. Uh, but before we dive into 1 Samuel chapter 16, let me just catch you up to speed. God is about to anoint the next king. If you remember from two weeks ago when we talked about obedience, we spent majority of our time in the previous chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 15. And to quickly recap that, God rejects Saul as king because of his disobedience. And so now in the next chapter, the following chapter that we're about to read, God is about to again anoint the next king of Israel. So starting in verse 1, if you'll read with me. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul? Since I have rejected him from being king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. So, so God says to Samuel, stop grieving. I have provided myself a king, and he is one of Jesse's sons. Now go. And in verse 3, God tells Samuel, and you shall anoint for me him who I declare to you. So, so God is saying, I have chosen a king, and you shall anoint whom I choose. So Samuel goes and he meets Jesse and his sons. And in verse 6, I want you to read and listen carefully to what takes place here. Verse 6. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees, but man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. So check this out. Jesse's sons are in front of Samuel. And I imagine your typical schoolyard pick type scenario, right? Samuel is looking at all the sons and Samuel sees Eliab and thought, now this, this is the guy. The Lord has to anoint this guy as king. I mean, look at him. He's handsome, easy on the eyes, great stature, just his height alone. I mean, this dude has to be it. And if I were in Samuel's shoes picking out of the lineup here, I'm going to go with Eliab all the way, right? If you're looking at his outward appearance, this is a no-brainer type situation. I'm picking him for my team. Yet God says, no, that that's not who I have. In fact, all of Jesse's sons go before Samuel one by one. And each time Samuel says, the Lord has not anointed this one. And so Jesse would send the next son. Nope, not him either. Then the next son. Nope, not him either. 
The, the, the next son, nope, the Lord has not anointed this one either until all seven sons that were present passed by. And I just love to imagine what Samuel might have been thinking in that moment. Like, okay, Lord, uh, we had a pretty good lineup, but started off strong, and then we're now down to the last guy, and still, but we don't, we don't want any of them. Like, are you sure? But the Lord said to Samuel, and I'm going to read it again in verse 7, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. God is saying, Samuel, you look on the outward appearance and you think talent, success, victory, but I, the Lord, look at the heart. Did you know what God is saying here? He, he is saying, I care about the character. I evaluate the internal, the, the inward, the, the heart of a person, the, the character of a person. God isn't choosing the next king here based off outward appearance. He's looking at the character of the heart. And Everlast, this is huge because what this is saying is our looks, talents, gifts, smarts, our stature, our outward appearance should not be how we evaluate someone or even how we evaluate ourselves. Instead, we should be more concerned with our internal, our heart, and the content of our character. Martin Luther King Jr. said it best when giving his infamous I Have a Dream speech. He says, I have a dream that my four little children, children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. gets it. In the world we live in today, people base success, victory, talents, and gifts on one's outward appearance. But God is saying, I don't see as man sees. Man looks at the outward, I look at the inward. God cares about the heart and he cares about your character. Which is why continuing on in this passage, we see that God ends up choosing David, the youngest brother, to be king, who was not present for the initial lineup. Verse 11, it says, Samuel asks, are all your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, arise and anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Everlast, God chose David, and in Acts 13, 22, we find out why. It says, and when he, talking about God, had removed him, Saul, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. You see, God chose David because of his heart. That God chose David because of his character. That David was a man after God's own heart. He possessed godly character. And God chose David to be king because, listen, when he looked at David and saw the innermost depths of David's heart, 
He saw a man whose whole heart was delighting in and pursuing after him. Everlast character matters to God. And what you worship, what you pursue, and what your heart is currently after will impact your character. What you worship will reveal your true character. And we see this play out all the time in our lives. Every day, you and I have choices and decisions to make that reflect our true character. You can choose to be nice to that coworker who is really difficult, or you can choose to respond in a way that is impatient and unloving. You can choose to not participate in gossip, or you can choose to listen and be involved. You can choose to have unforgiveness in your heart towards that person who wronged you, or you can choose to forgive them. You can choose to, while driving, let someone over in front of you that just cut in front of all the lines and all everyone in the passing lane, or you can choose to respond with your fingers or finger. We make choices all the time that reflect our true nature and our character. We make choices all the time that will show what is really going down in our hearts. And Everlast, your actions will show and reveal either one who exhibits godly character or one with cracks in their character. I love how one author put it. He said, life is built on character, but character is built on decisions. Meaning our character is influenced by our decisions. And when we choose to act on or make choices that reflect godly character, listen, that is a worship unto God. We worship God through exhibiting godly character. So what is godly character? Godly character is simply someone who lives out godly characteristics by modeling and imitating the characteristics of God in their own life. That that is what godly character is. It is looking at Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and imitating his character. And we're going to dive into this a a little bit more later. But Everlast, let me just ask you this question. When you think about your day today, all the choices you made just in today alone, would you say that your choices and decisions reflected godly character? That, that your choices and decisions reflected things like compassion, goodness, patience, kindness, gentleness, uh, maybe someone who is trustworthy, merciful, forgiving, one who is caring, who, who puts others above themselves, one who is humble, one whose actions and words are filled with grace and mercy. All of those characteristics of Jesus that were just mentioned, when you think about today, did did your actions reflect those qualities? Did they reveal someone who embodies godly character? Did they reveal a heart that is after God's own heart? 2 Chronicles 16.9 says that for the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth so that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. I love this verse because God is looking for people whose heart are completely his. He is looking for people who are after his own heart, right? He's looking for people with godly character. And listen, if our hearts are elsewhere seeking something other than Christ, our decisions and the choices we make on a daily basis are going to reflect that. Our character will show what we worship. 
And so I just want to spend the, the remainder of our time talking through three ways in which we can develop godly character. If we know godly character is a byproduct of worshiping God, we know that God is looking for people whose heart are after his, who, who exhibit godly character, how do we then develop it? Well, the first way, if you're taking notes, in which we develop godly character is by first and foremost looking to Jesus. The reason for that is Jesus is the perfect example of character, which is why Paul says in Ephesians 5.1, be imitators of God as beloved children. Everlast, if you want to walk in godly character, then imitate and worship the God who embodies perfect character. He has infinite perfection, infinite greatness, and infinite worth. He is in a class all by himself. And we are to be imitators of God as his beloved children. Now that word imitator in the Greek means follower. We are to be followers of God, meaning we are to mimic, copy, or echo, in a sense, God's character. I'll just give you an example. When I was younger, we had this older girl in our neighborhood, and I wanted to be just like her. She was athletic, smart, witty, super cool, pretty, confident, kind, and all around just like a fun hang. Everyone enjoyed being around her, and I wanted to be just like her. So anything she did, I would copy her. Right? If she wore her hair up in a ponytail that day, you better bet I'm wearing my hair up in a ponytail that day. If she was playing basketball, I wanted to play basketball. If she had a turkey sandwich for lunch, I'm going to have a turkey sandwich for lunch. I wanted to be just like her, so I imitated her. And listen, for those in the room who are believers, we are called to be like Jesus. Uh, we are called to imitate Jesus. Uh, we are called to look at the scripture and see what the word says and shows us about the character of God and then follow and imitate those certain qualities. And this is important because the word shows us the correct, true, and right qualities and characteristics we are to follow. Uh, we are to follow God's standards for us, not the world. Psalm 33, 4 says, For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. You see, the world and the Bible have very different teachings on character. You see, the world will teach you the character of selfishness. The, the world will tell you, promote yourself. Uh, be about elevating yourself above others. Be about get, getting what's yours. Whereas the Bible will teach you the character trait of humility. Instead, you are to elevate others above yourself. Philippians 2.3, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Right? The world teaches us the characteristic of unforgiveness. You've been hurt by someone? Write them off. You don't need them. Get revenge. Make them feel and pay for how they treated you. Whereas the Bible teaches the character, of, uh, character trait of grace and mercy. Matthew 18, 21 through 22, Peter asked Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Our world's definition of character is very different than God's. 
the word teaches us about the true character of God and how we are to follow him. We develop character first and foremost by looking to the God who embodies perfect character. And we imitate a God whose character is loving and compassionate, Isaiah 63, 7, whose character is full of mercy and grace and long-suffering, Exodus 34, 6, whose character is trustworthy and faithful, Psalm 33, 4, whose character is kind and merciful, Titus 3, 4. We imitate a God whose character is perfect, Deuteronomy 32, 4. And as we look to God and follow him, he then develops in us godly character. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. So how do we develop godly character? We first look to Jesus. The second way in which we develop godly character is through suffering. Romans 5, 3, 5 says, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character. That word endurance in the Greek everlast means to persevere or to patiently wait for. So this scripture is saying suffering produces patience, and then from that suffering produces character. Now I know this is not the way uh, in which we want or prefer character to be developed in us. Right? None of us in the room want to have to go through suffering. Uh, there is no part of suffering that that is fun. I can personally attest to this, and just like probably most of you in the room can attest to this. Uh, some of y'all uh, know this, but I've been on a health journey for the last year and some change. And if you were to ask me, hey, Tina, would, would you repeat this season? I would say no. I would not repeat this season. If you were to ask me, hey, if, if the Lord removed the season of suffering, are, are you good with that? I would say 100% yes. Like, let, let's do this thing. However, if it wasn't for this past season of suffering, I would not be who I am today. God has used it to produce character. And as a result of suffering, I'm more compassionate. I'm more prayerful. I'm more excited about heaven. The physical limitations have produced in me a heart of gratitude for the everyday things that we don't even realize the Lord has given us or blessed us with, that the physical limitations have caused me to see others', others limitations and, and be more empathetic towards them. As a result of suffering, God has produced in me a heart of humility that was once consumed with pride and self-centeredness. As a result of suffering, God has continued to transform my heart into becoming more like Jesus. Would I repeat this season? No. Am I thankful for this season because of what God has done and continues to do in my heart as he develops my character? Yes. I love how one author said it. She said, my easy, trouble-free life had not yielded anything but an enjoyment of the present. Life was comfortable and easy, but suffering produced in me something unshakable. Suffering 
develops character. And Everlast, do you know one of my biggest prayers uh, in, the midst, uh, in the midst of suffering, one of my biggest prayers has been, God, do not allow me to come out of this season unchanged. I do not want to suffer for nothing. Use this to change me and to develop godly character that is meant to be used to glorify you. I think one of the scariest and most terrifying things is to come out of a season of suffering unchanged. God will allow and use suffering in your life to develop godly character. And let me just say this, if you're in the room tonight and you are currently walking through some sort of suffering, let me just urge you, don't just sit around waiting for it to end. But allow God to transform you into who he has called you to be as a woman or man of God. Suffering develops character. It may not be fun, and it's probably extremely difficult. But God is molding you into the image of Christ. Lastly, if you're taking notes, is we develop character through practice. Right after college, I worked at a summer camp as a counselor, and we used to play this game called Integrity Ball, which is basically Gaga Ball if you've ever played it. And basically, Integrity Ball is a form of dodgeball, right? You're in a pit with a a bunch of people with a surrounding wall, and you are trying to avoid getting hit by the ball. And the point of the game, right, in order to win, is to be the last man standing. So players hit the ball at each other, and if the ball hits you, you're out, right? You, you are eliminated. So we would give, uh, we'd give the rules, start off the game. And what was interesting, uh, it was interesting because there were so many campers playing in, in one gaga pit um, that if a camper got hit by a ball, a lot of the times you wouldn't see it. It would happen so fast or people are in the way so you would miss it. And so the first round was always the longest round because people cheated. That they would stay in the game even though they got hit because no one saw it. So after the first round, we'd say, we'd get all the campers together and we'd say, okay, who knows what integrity is? And you get a bunch of different answers. But sometimes you'd get that like bright child who knows all the answers, who would give you the right answer, which is integrity is doing the right thing when no one is looking. And so we would go on to explain that if you get hit with the ball and no one saw it, the right thing to do is to step out of the game, show integrity, and say, I got hit. Then we would start round two. We'd start the game over. And it was so interesting to watch because the game would end way quicker than the first round. Why? Because we just taught about integrity. And then the campers put it into practice. But we were developing character by practicing integrity through a game of gaga ball. We develop character through practice. The more we practice, the better we get at it. It becomes a habit. It becomes something that is second nature to us. Just like an athlete who trains for the Olympics, they practice over and over and over until they continue to improve and get better. Right, you, you would never have an Olympian during the award ceremony with a gold medal around their neck who never practiced or didn't train up for years. That, that wouldn't be a thing. I don't know if um, any of y'all watch the CrossFit games, 
But every year, CrossFit games come on, and it's one of my favorite things to watch, specifically when they do the documentary, the documentary every year. And I love watching it because it truly blows my mind on how these athletes' bodies are built and can do the things that they require them to do during the competition. And yet the reason they are able to do those things is because they train and practice different CrossFit movements. They, they get the technique down to a science, all the while sticking to this intense regimented diet that they do every day multiple times a day. That they practice so they can develop the skills they need in order to be the best. Everlast, practice develops character. The only difference is we practice not to become the best but for God to be glorified in and through us. Scripture says in Matthew 5, 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Everlast, godly character should always point back to God. That that's the point of godly character, to point back to the characteristics of God, who is our sovereign king. And I think this is super important because our motivation for godly character, even if you are walking out in godly, in godly character, your motivation for it can be incorrect and distorted. Listen, Everlast, our motivation for godly character is not for the approval of man. It is not so others will see you and praise you. It's not so that you get affirmed on a daily basis or so uh, people will see you as the most awesome person on the planet. Godly character is always about God. 2 Corinthians 5, 9 says, So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 says, Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God. We aren't striving or practicing for character to be developed in us so that others praise us. That character is to be developed so that God is to be praised. We don't strive for character so we can hear people say, Tina, I think you're awesome. We strive for character to hear God say, Tina, well done, good and faithful servant. I love how one pastor said it. He said, character development gets neglected when you're too busy being celebrated. If you want to not develop character, be all about you getting the praise. Because if you're all about approval, you have no reason to want to be developed because you won't believe you need to be developed. And Everlast, a good question to ask is, what's your priority? You or Jesus? You see, we are to practice so that Jesus shines really bright in and through us and that others may come to know him through our actions and choices that we make. That God is to get the glory. Now, just really quick, does that mean we don't affirm people? No. We just need to make sure we are affirming people in Christ that we are affirming them in godly characteristics and attributes, and that the motivation behind our hearts is for the glory and praise for God alone. We practice to develop character for God to be glorified. Uh, another point uh, here that is good to mention when it comes to practice 
is that practicing Christian virtues also allows for character to be developed in us so that it's not just a one-time thing. And here's what I mean by that. Character is gauged by general tendencies, not on the basis of a few isolated actions. Meaning, Everlast, just because you paid that one time for the person behind you at Starbucks, that doesn't mean that you're a giving person. Godly character is something that is a general tendency of someone. It's something they naturally and continue to do and operate in. There are people I know that I would say, man, when I think of a characteristic of God, that the word that I would describe or immediately comes to my mind is generous. In fact, one of uh, those people is Kevin's dad. He, he is one of the most generous men I have ever met. He, he would give his shirt off his back to a stranger. And listen, it's an ongoing, continual tendency of him, of his to give. Giving is just in him because Christ is in him. Godly characteristics in a person should be a tendency that you continue to see. It is looking at the whole entirety of one's life, not just a certain moment. And let me just say this, and this is just a side note here, just a little bonus for you. If you are single or dating in the room, make sure that whoever you are dating is continually exhibiting godly characteristics. Not just that one time you noticed it, but it's in their general everyday tendency. If you desire marriage, you want someone whose character is one that continually displays those of the Lord. Again, godly characteristics in a person should be a tendency that you continue to see. And I think something that is helpful is having someone who really knows you. I mean, like really knows you, does life with you. And I think it's helpful to ask them two questions. Hey, hey, two questions. Hey, do you see godly characteristics in me? Do you see godly characteristics in me? And then the second question is, hey, are are there areas in my life where there are cracks in my character? Like, like, what are those areas that might hinder my character? And I know that is a hard question to ask, right? It's not fun to hear areas where you might have some cracks in your character. But it's in knowing those cracks that we can then start to practice them, right? right? If I don't know what areas need to be worked on, then I won't know to practice them. Practice is a good thing that helps us develop godly character. Another point that I think is good to know in regards to cracks and developing character is this. Practice doesn't mean perfect. Practice develops progression, but it doesn't mean perfection. I'm going to say that again. Practice develops progression, but it doesn't mean perfection. And this is important for us to know that none of us are perfect. King David, who we talked about earlier in 1 Samuel 16, that the man God chose to be king over Israel, who God anointed, it says David was a man after God's own heart. David was a man of great character. But even David did not have perfect character. David still sinned on occasion. In fact, in 2 Samuel, David slept with another man's wife, got her pregnant, and then to cover it up, had him killed by sending him in the front lines of battle. This is the same man that God said in Acts 13, David is a man after my own heart. David wasn't perfect and neither are we. Now, just to be clear, 
David did repent to God, right? He was sorrowful over what he had done, but that doesn't give us the excuse for us to say, well, nobody's perfect, so I'm going to go ahead and not exhibit godly character today, right? That, that's not the point. The point is as we strive to become more like Jesus, as we strive to develop godly character, as we practice so that God develops character within us, the point is to know that as we are here on earth, there is, there is always room for improvement. We are to practice so that God continues to develop character within us. 2 Peter 1, 5 through 7 says this, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. But we are to make every effort by practicing those things that will develop our character. Everlast character matters to God, and that's why we should want uh, it to continually be developed in our lives. We should want a heart like David's that is seeking after God's own heart. That, that listen, when man sees your outward appearance, God would look on the inward and see a man or woman of great and godly character. Everlast, would we be a ministry that people would look at and say, wow, that that's a group of people who display the characteristics of God. And that in that, God would be glorified and praised for who he is and the work he has done in us. Everlast, may we worship God through our character that he continues to develop within us. And I just want to leave you with this question as we uh, come to an end here. Everlast, what does your character say about you? What does your character show and reflect? Jesus or something else? May we strive to be more like Jesus. And as we look to God and imitate him, would godly character then be developed in us? Amen? Let's pray.